Hi, it's Terence Wallace, and welcome to my new series, Stories from the Road. In 2014, I decided to leave the corporate world behind and start my own business, Indelible Adventures Inc. This is a culmination of my writing, photography, speaking, and travel, and uh, gave me a great opportunity to travel the world. And so, with my writing, I've been able to gather and collect many stories from all my adventures. So this series is a dedication to all of those stories. I hope you enjoy them. If you're anything like me, there's nothing like a good story to start the day. Whether it be in the car, subway or train, perhaps even walking to work, this is the way that I like to start my days, listening to a good podcast. And so these are some of the best stories from my weekly blog. If you'd like to learn more or read my weekly blog, you can do so at www.indelible.com adventures.com. Thanks. It's been a quite a number of years since I've stayed and explored Rome. For the most part, I generally fly in and out of Milan, as it's quick and easy access to northern Italy, particularly around Lake Como, where I love to spend my summers. But for this visit, I decided that I was going to explore Rome and all points south. This visit, I decided that I was going to stay in the Via Veneto neighborhood, made famous by the Federico Fellini and his 1960 hit movie La Dolce Vita. Although some may argue that this once glamorous area has lost its star appeal since those heady days. But as I walk around, I find that it still retains a certain level of prestige and nostalgia befitting its pedigree. Given the time of year I had to book a few things in advance, which usually isn't my style, but you know what they say, when in Rome. Spending Christmas in a foreign city is something to be well planned in advance, particularly for Rome. So I had to book restaurants for both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, as many aren't open because of the holidays, and it's a huge family time of year with gatherings and the like. So many shops and restaurants are closed tight while everyone celebrates. Never one to overpack, I'd been avidly checking the long-term weather forecast for Rome and southern Italy in terms of what I was going to wear and bring, because as you know, I'm a minimalist and I only ever travel with carry-on. But given that I'd be away for 16 full days and driving south, which means slightly warmer climbs as you get closer to the Mediterranean, I had to pack for a range of clothing options, which means leaves me no choice but to take a slightly larger bag. Which was a little frustrating and a little crazy, because that's not the way I generally travel. Now to be fair, I did pack my tripod and camera belt, which usually take up quite a chunk of room in my carry-on. So this time I had the luxury of accommodating those things without being squeezed tight in my carry-on. I also had the opportunity to buy a couple of things for Zach and Sam on my travels, uh, so I sort of guess it worked out. As a photographer, Rome, like most European cities, has so many things and places to shoot, it seems like I have endless choices. Fortunately for me, I had a couple of days at the end of my adventure, so whenever I didn't fit in the start, I would definitely be able to circle back prior to my departure. I want to share with you a couple of tips about traveling to Rome 
that I thought would be useful for your next visit. Like with all major cities, irrespective of whether you're there just to explore and have fun or come with a purpose, it's important to plan your visit carefully. For many, booking a tour or purchasing tickets for a hop-on hop-off bus is about as adventurous as it gets, which is all good. Unfortunately, for the vast majority of visitors, you are channeled into specific sites and don't get an opportunity to explore and discover the gems that are in plain sight. I realise that not everyone enjoys getting outside their comfort zone and wandering the city until they are lost like me, but I do discover a side of the city that very few do. There are obvious must-sees while you're in Rome, such as the Spanish Steps, the Colosseum, the Pantheon, and of course the Trevi Fountain, but the real Rome is beyond these major sites. For my personal visit, I had a shoot list in advance, and it was extensive to say the least. First up on my list of places to shoot was the Aventine, which is one of the seven hills on which ancient Rome was built. This lesser-known area is also home to Circa Massima, built in the 3rd century BC as a venue for chariot racing, but was destroyed by fire in 64 AD. It remains a key part of Rome's history, as it was built in a natural amphitheatre between the Palatine and Aventine hills, and was a perfect location for constructing the largest stadium in the world, which sat a whopping 250,000 spectators. Wandering its architecturally rich streets is a pleasure unto itself. While I was there, I also checked out the Rome Rose Garden and the Basilica of Santa Sabina. My second tip is, if all this walking makes you hungry, which inevitably it will, and you're craving some authentic Roman fare at a reasonable price, away from the hordes of visitors and tourists, then continue walking across the Ponte Testaco, which spans the Tiber River to the Trastevere neighborhood. You'll be blown away by the local fair at the La Proscateria Trastevere on Via del Scala. This great little place has an amazing array of local prosciutto, cheeses and other Roman delicacies that will bring your palate alive. Far from the crowds, it's an eclectic place to sit, eat and enjoy the amazing food and soak up the atmosphere. Another fabulous little spot if you're near the Trevi Fountain and feeling a little peckish, there is no better place to drop in than Pane El Salme on the Via Santa Maria in Via for Roman panini sandwich. This little hole in the wall is ranked third best restaurant in Rome, so it's got to be doing something right. Tucked away in a small side street just blocks away from the Trevi Fountain, you can't go wrong with one of their delicious paninis. It's now become so popular that depending on the time of year and day, you may be standing in line, sometimes for quite some time. During my stay in Rome, I had the wonderfully good fortune to be able to spend it with a friend of mine who owns a travel business in this historic city. Oana is the owner of Italia Pretosia, who specializes in unique Italian art treasures and tours. As an expert 
in Italian art and the artists who created these magical works over the centuries. I was in for a treat as Oana had access to a unique and behind-the-scenes view of this art, much of which adorns the churches and private galleries of this amazing city throughout her network. We had agreed to meet at the Colosseum metro station at 11am. We arrived exactly at the same time, and even though it was a Friday, it was already extremely busy, with all of the tourists clamouring to get to the Colosseum and the adjacent forum throughout the main access point. As we walked away from the Colosseum and past the Forum, Oana pointed out the point from which all distances were measured within the Roman Empire, effectively mile zero in the ancient times. Today, it's just a simple marble pillar that tourists walk by with no further thought or knowledge of. But in ancient times, this was the epicentre from which all roads led to and from Rome. Such a great little tidbit of information to get started. As we walked and chatted, Oana pointed out things as we walked towards the Piazza Venezia. From a historical perspective, Piazza Venezia plays a significant part in modern Italian history, as this was where Benito Mussolini has its residence. The that overlooks the piazza is the very same one from which he gave many of his speeches to the mass crowds, and to be honest, it was just a tad eerie even though it was 70 years ago. The other imposing building built on the piazza is the Altare della Patria, altar of the fatherland and home of the tomb of the unknown soldier. Clearly the best thing about having a local art historian as your private tour guide is not only do you get access, background and insights, but you also get the lesser known facts and stories that add colour to your adventure. I was in heaven. Next up were a series of churches that gave me a new appreciation for the various schools of art over the centuries, from Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, to Caravaggio and beyond. Oana's deep knowledge of both the artists and their work really made for an unforgettable experience, particularly as she filled in lots of gaps in terms of the day-to-day -day life of the artist, their motivations, and the comings and goings of their lives even a few juicy, scandalous pieces. Awesome. Before I knew it was already 2pm, and Oana called a friend of hers who owned the restaurant nearby so we could drop in for an impromptu lunch. The restaurant is Moderna on the Vicolo dei Ciodaroli, near Campo de Fori. This chic and fashionable restaurant was amazing and the food delicious, and although not packed, it was clear that this had been a place where locals like to congregate and slowly enjoy a meal with friends, the Italian way. After a fabulous long lunch, I literally rolled out of the Moderna toward our next stop, which was about a 20 minute walk away. Thank goodness. Our destination was the Chiesa di San Ignacio di Loyola, or the St. Ignatius of Loyola. Elena made a quick call as we approached the church and no sooner that we were inside than she introduced me to Father Vasily Tofana, who greeted her warmly. The story was that Elena and Father Vasily had grown up together in the same village and had been lifelong friends, and so it arranged for him to give me a truly behind-the-scenes view of the church. Now, to add to the ambience of our visit, there was also a large choir singing hymns at the front of the church. 
In local parlance, this church is known as the Church Without the Dome. As the story goes, the architect and builders ran out of money, but before they could finish the dome, and so painted what for all intention purposes looks like a real dome when you view it from underneath. Admittedly, I even had to look very closely to tell the difference, and again, another fine piece of art unto itself. Father Vasily then led us back and behind what everyone else gets to see, as he gathered a handful of enormous keys. Yeah, you know the kind, the ones that you might expect to see opening a castle front door. This church was first opened in 1551. From here he provided us with an unforgettable two-hour tour of the entire building from top to bottom, including a host of private chapels and a visit to the dome, which was fascinating because when you get up close up to this level and you are able to look down onto the visitors far below and across the flat dome into the dusty rafters. However, the piece de resistance was our climb to the roof using a narrow circular staircase. Once on top, the views were absolutely incredible, although you wouldn't want to be afraid of heights, as this were no handrails or barriers, just the roof and you. In the 1800s, the Jesuit priests decided to acquire telescopes so they could watch the ever-changing constellations and stars, and so they mounted it on the roof of the church. This continued up until the early 1930s, when Benito Mussolini decided to confiscate them. There were two telescopes for this time, because he believed that the priests were using the telescopes to spy on behalf of foreign powers. Today, the telescope mounts remain on the roof, albeit missing the actual telescopes themselves. Today, the roof is rarely visited, and so I felt very privileged to be able to get this view of Rome. So what does a photographer do when it's almost sunset overlooking the rooftops of Rome? Of course, I had to wait and shoot and shoot and shoot. After this amazing visit with Father Vasily, my senses were totally overloaded, but Oana had one more treat for me as we made our way to the Santa Maria Sopra Minerva Chiesa, where she showed me the hidden Michelangelo. This incredible sculpture is in plain sight, but yet few notice the name on the plate at the bottom and so often walk right by. Wow, I was completely blown away. How awesome is that? If you're considering going to Rome and have an appreciation of art, I would love to connect you with Oana. My final word on Rome is that it's to be savoured and not rushed. Although it can be difficult with a limited time and lots to see and do, why not take some time to just sit on a sidewalk cafe and people watch over an afternoon espresso or a glass of wine? Maybe even spend an afternoon strolling through the beautiful Borghese Gardens and the Villa Medici to get a new perspective on the city and totally unwind. Rome, the eternal city, has so much to offer and is a definite must-see in a lifetime. Until next week, ciao!